Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. But grace has given to each one of us according to, <laughs> according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended to the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, uh, of ministry, uh, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of faith, of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature adulthood to the measure of stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, um, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way to him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with it is equipped. Anyway, um, <laughs> didn't seem to make sense. Uh, when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Sorry for my reading aloud skills, guys. All right. So today we're talking about um, gifts. We're talking about spiritual gifts. Um, and depending on your church upbringing, you may have had all kinds of experience when we're talking about spiritual gifts. When I was about 14 or 15, I think I was in year nine, um, I got invited to be part of this like, it was like teenage discipleship thing that some of the leaders at that the church I was going to were running. And so we used to meet every Wednesday morning and read the Bible and, and pray together. And one morning um, we had this, <laughs> this experience where what they did, they got us all, we all went in different rooms, we were on our own. Um, they said, oh, we're going to do some spiritual gift stuff with you. And I was like, okay. Um, so they put us all in a room by ourselves. And then the pastors came in. It was like two of them came in and like prayed for well, me. I was in there on my own. And then they started praying in tongues. And they're like, all right, now you pray in tongues. And I was like, uh, uh, I don't know if I can. And they're like, you can. You're a believer. Pray in tongues. And I was like, uh, and I couldn't. And, um, and I went back you know, to the rest of the group. Some people had had these like, wow, amazing experiences. My brother, Tom, trampoline Tom, he was there as well. We kind of like looked at each other like, like what was that? Um, but there was, this, there was this implication 
from some of our, our leaders in that space that if, we, that if I didn't pray in tongues or if we didn't pray in tongues, maybe it meant that there was something going on that, that Christ hadn't done that he should have. Or that as, as a believer, there was something there that we were supposed to have that we didn't. And um, that probably took a few years to undo. Um, and I guess I just wanted to share that story because some of you I know are from very all kinds of different church backgrounds. And as Christians, we've made sometimes what God has given us as good gifts, we've made them weird. We've done weird things with them. We've made them about us or we've made them about, we've taken what scripture um, says as maybe specific and we've made it general or vice versa. So today, I I hope, in some ways I'm preaching to my 14-year-old self, but I hope that if you've had one of those kind of weird things, um, that today brings some clarity and some relief in that space. Because God, by his grace, gave us gifts not for the sake of the gift, but for the sake of his church. That's what they're for. And um, so we're going to go into that today. We're going to talk about that. So, um, and the reason I've called this talk Walk in Maturity is because what the gifts are for are for maturity. The point of the gift is not the gift. The point of the gift is A, the giver, and B, that it would do something for the benefit of the church that we would be able to all become mature together in the things that God has given us. All right, let's get into it. So verse 7, Ephesians 4, 7, it says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. One of the things that I, it's a little bit personal this morning, I guess, but one of the things I struggle with, this is real, is, um, is looking and listening and seeing what other pastors, preachers, and things are doing. Uh, and social media is such a trap. But, but you sort of, you might see these people and they're like, oh, wow, like I preached and 500 people became Christians. And, you know, I did this and, and you know, this amazing thing happened. And, um, you know, you see other people's success and it can make you go, oh, like, am I not doing what I'm supposed to do? Am I not as gifted as them? Am, am I not, you know, is it, am I missing something? Something that like just in preparing for this particular message, I was so encouraged by is this verse that says, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift, which means he's given us the grace we need to walk in the gifting that he's given us to fulfill his purpose in our life. And what that means is that sometimes other people might be doing something different to us. And other people from a maybe a worldly metric might have more quote-unquote success than us. But what's so encouraged me is that I've been given the grace by God to do what I need to do if I faithfully follow him. And that's amazing. So... If we bounce back to Ephesians 2, verse 10, it says, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So he's given us these giftings 
to walk in the good works that he's prepared for us to do. So it's all the emphasis in this is on him. He's the one who gives the gift. He's the one who prepares the works that we do. And all we do is go, God, without you I was dead. Now I'm alive, so show me what to do. So in Ephesians 4, verse 11, it says, So he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. So these gifts that are mentioned here in Ephesians 4, we sometimes refer to them as the the fivefold ministry gifts. These are kind of um, these people that... That, are, that were there, particularly in the early church, but still today, who work and build up the church. They're kind of these, these like ministry kind of gifts. But we're going to go on a tangent today. Um, we're going to go on a, a far-reaching tangent throughout the New Testament, and we're going to look at um, all of the different spiritual gifts that God has given his people and his church because there are, there are many. And depending on your your you know, your upbringing, your church experience, all those things, sometimes we can tend to put an emphasis on some gifts more than others. And we might look at some, and particularly in the church tradition I was brought up in, it was very much about, wow, look at those people at the front. They're so gifted. They're so amazing. They're so special. Look at what God's giving them to do. And it leaves people that aren't in that position going like, oh, like, is God not, has he not given me gifts? Has he not given me things to do? But he has. So we're going to go on this tangent. Before I go on the tangent, I have to go on a tangent on the tangent first. Um, So there's a couple of different things to remember. There's, first of all, there's the fruit of the Spirit and there's gifts of the Spirit. Now, the fruit of the Spirit is the thing that every believer will see grow in their life as they walk in faith with Christ. So the fruit of the Spirit, is in Galatians 5, verse 22, 23. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things there is no law. So they are general. You are a Christian. You have the Spirit indwelling. These fruit will grow. I used to work on orchards. I know for a fact that if you plant an apple seed and stare at it and say, grow, apple tree, grow, nothing will happen. You have to water it. You have to let the sun do its thing and you have to wait a number of years until that thing can actually bear lots of fruit. And there's a reason that Paul calls these things fruit of the Spirit because fruit takes time. So if as a Christian you're looking at those characteristics, and you're like, oh, I'm not there yet. I'm not feeling very joyful. I'm not feeling very peaceful. Oh, man, my self-control is not there. It's fruit. It takes time. It grows in season as it's exposed to the sun and as it gets watered by the Holy Spirit. So these fruit grow. You all will see these things grow. The gifts of the Spirit, though, they are not general. They are specific, which means that not everyone will see every gift in their life. Some people may see many. Some people may see a gift for a season because that's what God needs you to do in that time and place. 
Some people, you might have one gift that God has given you in a great measure according to his grace because he needs you to do that thing. But all of you have been given these gifts by God through the Spirit for his church. So we're going to get into them. There's, there's a lot. We're going to go through 24 spiritual gifts today. I'm going to give a, a blurb on each. I'm not going to talk in depth about each. I'll give you the passages where they come from in your small group. You can do a deep dive. Um, in your own time, you can do a deep dive. But let's have a look. So we're gonna, I'm going to alphabetical English, not Greek. Nick suggested Greek, but I was like, I don't, I don't speak Greek. So here we go. Some of these might surprise you. Some of these may offend you. Some of these you might go, oh, I hope I don't have that. Um, <laughs> looking at number three. Um, but... <laughs> But, um, but maybe, anyway, we'll go. <laughs> so the first gift, this is found in 1 Corinthians, Corinthians 12, is the gift of administration. How good is the gift of administration for the church? We need that, right? It's often underappreciated. We often look at the people at the front doing the impressive things. They wouldn't be able to do that if the gift of administration wasn't working things creatively well together in the background. So sometimes we think of administration as this like boring spreadsheet kind of gift. It's not that. It's people that have this incredible creativity in organising and administrating for the work of the gospel. That is what administration does. And we need it in our church. The second one is apostle and... Um, for biblical scholars, this is lowercase a, apostle. For everyone else, just carry on. So this is in Ephesians 4 and 1 Corinthians as well. And these are people that get sent to new frontiers, new places for the gospel. They provide leadership over churches. They help build and plant churches. They develop leaderships and they have authority over spiritual matters. The Greek word literally just means one sent forth. It's one who Goes. So if you look at the New Testament, you look at the book of Acts, you can see that Paul in the book of Acts plays the role, works in the gifting of an apostle, someone who goes to places, establishes churches, is with them for a time, and then goes to the next one, does the same thing. So that's, that's apostle. The next one is celibacy, which is in 1 Corinthians 7. Paul considered his celibacy a gift that he had received. And in the sex-glorifying Greek and Roman culture that he lived in, which really is very similar to today, this was so countercultural that it could only have been a gift from God. We put a lot of emphasis, like I was talking about last night, on our needs and our rights. What the Bible would teach us is that people with this gift would be able to walk through life in sexual purity and in celibacy. Sex is not a need, despite what the world will tell you. Sexual fulfillment is not a need. It's good, but it's not a need. And for people with this gift as well, this is something that they embrace. So this is not like a... Oh, big thing. Like this is, this is like a, this is my gifting. I'm going to walk in it. 
And the life of both Jesus and Paul demonstrate that, I, that someone can walk in celibacy and have total fulfillment of purpose, of ministry, of relationship with Christ. The next one is discernment. This is in 1 Corinthians as well. Someone with this gift is able to see what's going on under the surface. They can discern the truth from error. The Bible talks about how, you know, people will have itching ears and be led astray by false teaching. Someone with the gift of discernment is sometimes the only person in the room going, I'm not really sure about this. Should we maybe check what the Bible says? Because someone with the gift of discernment doesn't rely on their own knowledge and wisdom. They rely on what the Word says and they hold the Word, the Bible, as their authority. And we need that gift (laughs) so badly in our churches today. Evangelist, this is a messenger of the good news of the gospel. A messenger of good is what the word means. So these people are bold in their faith sharing. And there's some preachers that are evangelists and you know that they're evangelists because they will always share the gospel. They will always point people to Jesus. They're not as interested in like teaching about the Bible and teaching like the specifics. They're more like Jesus, 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 Jesus. And, um, and our churches need those because they stop us from becoming inward and they help us to look outward. And they remind us that there is a world in desperate need of a saviour. And so if you have that stirring for the lost, if you have that desire to see your non-Christian friends and, and workmates, not, not just in a, oh, I want them to know Jesus, but like a, this is a God desire in my heart, then it may well be that you have the gift of evangelism. The next one we'll look at is exhortation, which is in Romans 12. And this is, uh, it's kind of to come alongside someone with words of encouragement, comfort, consolation, and counsel to help them be who God has purposed them to be. And a lot of preachers have this gift of exhortation where you'll hear them calling you to be more than you currently are, to build up your faith to walk in the purpose that you have. This gift calls out the purpose in people. So when they see people, they don't go like, I see you, I see where you're at. They see you and they say, whoa, I can see where God's going to take you. And they'll call that out in you. And they're really good people to spend time with. The next one is the gift of faith. Some people have this gift of faith, this conviction this unshakable stillness of spirit that says whatever is going on, whatever the circumstances, whatever life is throwing at me, at my church, at my family, that God will stick to what he says, that God is faithful to his promises. And those people are not shaken by circumstances. Those people are always looking forward to Christ and they are always seeing and believing that he will come through. In Romans 12, 8, there's this other gift, giving. And this is probably what we would call generosity. And it's not necessarily financial. That's always where our brain goes. Like, oh, they give a lot of money. It's not just that. They do give money. But it's more about giving of time and giving of self. It's actually about giving their all. 
And so some people actually, this is, this is a gift. Some people have this gifting where they are able to give their whole life to service, whatever that is, to the building of the church. Next one is the gift of healing. So in 1 Corinthians, it talks about how some people have this gift, this spiritual gift given to them of healing, where they, by the power of Jesus working through them, may be able to heal people's bodies, minds, spirits. And with such a gifting, that's the kind of gifting in the, the church sort of uh, that I grew up in that was really like, yeah, this is a really good one and a big one. And, and people with this gifting were on a pedestal. But that's not what this gifting's about. This gifting's about putting the powerful, miraculous Jesus, making him great and saying, wow, I was dead and now I'm alive and Jesus is doing this amazing thing through me, but it's not by me. But this is a gift that, that operates in the church. Next one is helping and service. And this is in 1 Corinthians as well. And this is probably best seen in the people for who no task is too menial. So there's meaning in the menial for them. They don't look at like a floor that needs vacuuming and go, I have to vacuum the floor. They see it and they do it. And it means something because it serves the church. So these people are able, you know, these are the people that get to church early and stack chairs, not because they feel like it's brownie points or anything like that, but just because that's what they do. These people drive their grandma out of the shops every week because it's just what they do. So these are people that they find meaning in the menial. The next one is hospitality. This is in First Peter. And the, the Greek word for this is really cool. It's, I'm going to stuff it up, but it's philozenoia. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> that means it was wrong. <laughs> but I know the meaning. <laughs> and it means love toward the stranger. So sometimes we think of hospitality of like, oh, wow, this person's so hospitable. They invited all their friends over for a meal. That's not hospitality. That's just being a friend. Hospitality is this spiritual gifting that allows you to exercise love towards people you have no idea who they are, towards the stranger. So it's the person that doesn't just invite their friends over for a meal. It's the person that invites everyone for the meal. It's the person that sees the stranger come into their church service and beelines for them and sits with them, not because they feel like they should do that, but because they've been gifted to do that. And I'm, not, I'm not excusing us from doing that, by the way. But those people who have this gifting, this gifting of love towards the stranger, excel in that space. They live in the awkward, as Nick would say. The next gift is knowledge. This is in 1 Corinthians as well. And this one is about biblical knowledge. It's about these people that are able to understand both deeply and intuitively the Word of God. They read it and something about their engagement with it just cuts a little deeper to the, to the core of who they are. And they just understand the Bible and they love the Word. So that's the gift of knowledge. The gift of leadership 
in Romans 12, um, Paul uses the word zeal when he's talking about leadership in Romans 12. It's these people that are able to motivate and move others with zeal, with like a zealousness and a holy fire towards a common goal that is good for the church. That is what the gift of leadership looks like in the church. Next one is the gift of martyrdom, 1 Corinthians 13. This person or the persons, whatever, with this gifting is someone who is willing to die and will gladly give their life for the faith. The first century evangelism method of the church was martyrdom. (laughs) And in Australia, we might look at this gift and go, oh, well, that's probably not for us. Well, for some of you, it might be. I don't know if you remember, when was that? Like 2013, 14, 15, when there was in, um, in Iraq and Syria the rise of IS, of the Islamic State. And it was horrific. And there was all these videos and things online of Christians being held at gunpoint or knife point or sword point and being asked to deny their faith. And one after another after another, they they didn't. They didn't have a choice in that. Well, they did have a choice. They didn't see it as a choice. They chose Jesus. It's an incredible gift. The next one is the gift of miracles. So some people are gifted to work miracles, to perform signs and wonders that people would see them and they would glorify God. They would see these miraculous things that couldn't be explained in any other way and go, there is a God. That is what the gift of miracles is about. It's not about the person, again, doing it. It's about God. The next one is the gift of mercy. And those with the gift of mercy, they're people that are moved with compassion towards those who are suffering, moved deeply in compassion. And it's especially in the context, it's talking about a deep compassion, especially for fellow Christians, especially for those in the body of of faith who are struggling and in need. They're deeply sympathetic. They they do exercise mercy with words, but it's, it's a deeds gift. This is something that people do. They act and are compassion. And I found this one was, I found interesting that it wasn't a fruit of the spirit, but it was a gift of the spirit. And I think to some extent, as we grow in the, in the fruit of the spirit, we will all be become more and more selfless and more and more compassionate. But there are some people who are particularly gifted with this gift of compassion. And so if you are, it's your job to continue to motivate and galvanize and encourage the church to work in those places and in those spaces and with those people. The next one is the missionary. Um, And this is in Ephesians 3, as Paul describes his own ministry as a missionary to people of another culture, as someone who would go to another place and to another language group or another cultural group. It might be overseas. It might even be within your own nation. But these people are called to mission, to share the gospel with people that they aren't the same as. That's kind of what this one's about. 
And the next one is the pastor shepherd. So the word, the word is kind of interchangeable. And these are, these are pastors. These are people whose, whose call and gifting is to shepherd the flock. And that, that shepherd word is really interesting because on the one hand, a shepherd loves his sheep and he looks after his sheep. And on the other hand, he guards his sheep and he protects them. And if he has to, he gets biblical and gets out his rod and whacks wolves. That's what a pastor is called to do, to love the flock and to protect the flock. The next one is prophecy, which is in Ephesians, Corinthians, and Romans. And this is someone who speaks forth the message of God to his people. And biblical prophecy in the sense of this gifting will build up others in love and will align with the word of God. That is prophecy. It will align with the word and the will of our Father. Teaching is the ability to communicate with clarity, with system, with logic the truths of the word that the church needs to grow. And often pastors also are teachers and often teachers are also pastors because those are highly uh, interwoven gifts that work together in the church for that, for that thing. And teaching, it's different to that gift of knowledge as well that I was talking about before. Next one is tongues. So some are given the gift of tongues. And if you are given the gift of tongues by God, it won't be under the kind of compulsion that those people tried to do to me. Paul describes tongues in this way. He's in 1 Corinthians 14 too. He says, For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him. He utters mysteries in the Spirit. So the kind of tongues we're talking about here is different to the type of tongues that the disciples, the apostles received at Pentecost. What they received there was languages that they didn't know so that they could declare to people from all over the world who were present on that day, they could declare the gospel of Christ and the glory of God so that those who were far off could come near and hear the gospel. But this, this is talking about a spiritual gift. The next one, we've broken the alphabetical order here, but I thought these two worked well together, is interpretation of tongues. And this is in 1 Corinthians as well. And this gift enables someone to understand the gift of tongues to share with the church. And Paul is strict on his instruction to the Corinthians around this. He says in 1 Corinthians 14, um, 27 and 28, If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or at most three, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there's no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in the church and speak to himself and to God. That is the church's instruction for how to operate in these gifts. Cool? Good. The next one is voluntary poverty. This person chooses, because God has gifted them, to live an impoverished lifestyle to best serve others in a similar sense. They give up their material goods. They give up their rights. They become poor. This is not someone, this is not a Western missionary who goes to work in an Indian slum and leaves their investment property back home. That's like, if you do that, that's fine. Like, that's fine. But that's not what this is talking about. This is someone who removes all trappings, removes all dependence and has total dependence on God, who gives away everything and says, all I need is you, Lord. Now I'm going to go and serve you. 
That's what this gift of poverty is talking about. And the last one is wisdom. And this is in 1 Corinthians 12, and it's the application of God's knowledge to life in such a way as to make spiritual truths relevant and practical in decision-making and daily life. So it's taking God's wisdom, again, from the Word and applying it in our time and in our context in life. And now, often we kind of, we pair age and wisdom. And, and while there's a, definitely a truth to that, that as people get older, they do become wiser. And especially if they've walked with the Lord for a long time, they will become, hopefully, wiser and wiser. But this is a gifting. So you could hear from the voice of a 10-year-old the wisdom of God if they have this gift. So that, that's how this is not talking about earthly wisdom that develops with age. This is talking about God-given wisdom. It's like if we look at the Old Testament or we look at, say, the, the boy king, Josiah, who was compelled by the wisdom and the knowledge of God to reform and to change the kingdom. That would be how that works maybe in a young person. And each of us is given the grace for what we need to do. Each of us is given these gifts according to the measure of grace that God has given us. So we're equipped, we're empowered and released by God into these things. Take two minutes. (laughs) Have a look, have a read, have a think, have a ponder. I'm going to have a drink and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about what these are actually for. Okay, who loves a list? All right, well done, you have the gift of admin. All right, (laughs) maybe. Um, All right, so we've dealt with two verses. (laughs) We've got a few more to go. So Paul, we're going, to bounce, we're going to go back to Ephesians 4 now. So we've come back. We've ended our tangent. Um, because, the, because what Paul's talking about in Ephesians 4, he is talking about those five gifts I, meant, I mentioned earlier, but the application for those gifts we can apply to all of the different gifts that Christ gives us. And this is what he says the gifts are for, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up, the body of the church until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature adulthood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by human cunning by craftiness in deceitful schemes. So the point of your gifts is not that you would grow in power or influence or platform. The purpose of your gifts is to give them back to Christ and to allow him to administer them through you to his church. And Paul presents this argument that because we have unity together, remember Ephesians 1, 2, 3 in the first part of 4, we have unity together. We've been brought in together. It's about us together that we use these gifts for mutual benefit. And for the building of the church, each of the gifts serves its purpose in the body to mature the believers and mature believers then spread the gospel. Paul says that maturity is, there's three things he says. He says it's unity of faith and knowledge of the Son of God. So if we are mature, then we are able to be in unity and we know who Christ is. 
And because we know who Christ is, that allows us to grow further in unity because we focus not on the things that divide us, but the things that unite us. A mature church is a church that has unity, not uniformity. We don't all look the same. We don't all do the same things. We don't all exercise the same gifts, but we have unity. And I'm just going to keep talking about that all weekend. We have unity together. The other thing he says, and he, these aren't in order, these are just all of these things, our signs of maturity, is that we are in mature adulthood. And Paul's saying that as a contrast to being like a child. And he's saying that a childlike faith will be, or, or someone who is childish, maybe is a better way to say, a childish person in their faith is someone who will be tossed to and fro by every idea they hear. They have no discernment. They hear something. They hear, if you follow Jesus, he'll make you rich. And they go, sounds good, I'm in. Or they hear, if you're a Christian, everyone speaks in tongues. And they go, oh, sounds good, I'm in. A mature body, a mature faith, a mature church together holds firm to proper biblical teaching and they're not tossed to and fro. They hold the course they hold the line. And that's why we need all of the gifts operating well. That's why we need to celebrate everyone's gifting because all of these things work together to build the church. We need wisdom. We need discernment. We need administration. We need prophecy. We need apostles. We need evangelists. We need all of those things together. We need them because there's ideas that are creeping back into the church that the early church dealt with and kicked out and said, that's a heresy, we don't believe that anymore. And they're coming back because they do, they keep coming back. And in each generation, the church is tested. In each generation, the father of lies lies again. And he's, he's good at it. He's had a lot of practice. And he lies again to the church and says, well, why don't you just soften on this and, and follow this way? Why don't you just maybe not hold quite so tightly to Scripture and just kind of drift off? So Gen Z, you will be tested. Millennials, we were tested and I think we failed a bit. It's being real. Most of the people I grew up in church with aren't here. Maybe that's a reflection of the generation above us. I'm not sure. Gen Z. Embrace the fullness of the gifts that God has given us. Use them together to build maturity together. So these giftings should draw us out of what we would naturally like to do. They will draw us out of comfort. And they will draw us towards Christ and they will draw us towards people that Jesus loves. None of the gifts is an island. So if you think, oh, I've got the gift of administration, that means I can sit behind a laptop and not interact with people, that's not, that's not what that does. If you think, oh, I've got the gift of healing, so I can just go freestyle. I'm just gonna go down the street, I'm just gonna just, just tell everyone it's God's will for you to be healed. If you're not healed, it's probably your issue and just do that. That's not how they work. They work together. The life we've been given 
is itself a gift of God. Because we who are dead have been made alive. And as I said a couple of weeks ago, we've been made alive to worship him in spirit and in truth. And the gifts, when they operate well together, bring God's truth to the church. Verse 15 and 16 say, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, when all of us are working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Paul finishes this teaching on gifts in this. It builds us up in love. Remember the end of Ephesians 3? We're going to keep going back to this. What did he pray for them? That they would know, that they would have the strength to comprehend the height, the depth, the width, and the breadth of the love of Christ. And so what the gifts do is they grow us up in love for one another, love for Christ and love for the world that he's made and the people that he's made. So three things, three questions for you to ponder and take away and you're going to hopefully unpick and unpack this a bit in small groups as well is number one, what are my giftings? Now, I'll put a caveat on that. And if you've listened to me talk at all, you'll know that I don't trust (laughs) self-reporting. I don't trust people doing tests and going, I think I'm this, so I'll do this test and, oh, I'm that, awesome. I don't trust that. So if you think about which gifts maybe resonated with you, but also ask people that you trust, people that know you well. Ask your pastors, ask your leaders, ask your elders, what are some of these gifts that you might see growing in me? What are some of these gifts that you might think God has deposited in me? An immature person looks at the list and goes, I want to be that, 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 and that, let's go. The mature believer goes, whatever I have is a gift of God. I think it might be this, but I'm also going to take the shared wisdom of people who know me well and, and see what they think as well. So what are my gift things? The second thing, who do I know that is gifted in a similar way that I can learn from? When I was about 17 or 18, I, I was involved with a group that we did. Um, we called them beach missions, but it was in a caravan park at Halls Gap, so it wasn't a beach mission. But I don't know. <laughs> I don't really know. But, um, but I got invited to come along and there was, they were crazy Christians, the good kind, where they would, they would run these programs in caravan parks for whoever was there um, and they would preach the gospel to them. And I kind of went along kind of expecting that, yep, cool, I'll tag along and hang out. Like this will be a fun weekend. And like a couple of days in, the guy leading it goes, Luke, you're going to preach the gospel tomorrow to people that have never heard it. So go away and prepare and do it. And then I went away and I thought about it for a while. And then like the next morning he gets me and he's like, okay, let's practice. What are you going to say? I was like, oh, I was just going to kind of get up and just kind of wing it. He's like, no, 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 no. Let's practice. Let's learn how to 
preach the gospel. Let's learn how to teach. Let's do this properly. And so from being thrown in the deep end with some floaties, (laughs) I learned how to preach the gospel. Because sometimes we know something in our heart, but we need people who already operate in that gifting to teach us how to use it well and teach us to use it in a way that is helpful for the church, not a hindrance for the church. So think about, I might have this gift, who do I know that I can learn from? And we can all always learn. And the last thing is, how can I use my gifting to bring maturity to my church community? How can I help grow up the body in love using the gifting that I have? Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much that you give us good gifts. Thank you that you have given us each spiritual gifts according to the measure of grace that you've given us. Lord, help us not to be proud. Help us to, in lowliness, accept the gifts you've given us. Thank you for them. Return them to you and use them in your service. Lord, I pray that this morning has brought clarity and relief and release for people in their giftings. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's sing some songs. And then we'll go into small groups. What we'll do for small groups is if small group leaders can like just bunch out there, gather your small group and then go where you'd like to go. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people and boldly share the gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.